to go ahead. Hey, hey, we're back. The underpaid and the underqualified has returned. All right. How's it going, Ja? Woo! Good. How are you? I'm drinking a mimosa right now. <laughs> Your audio sounds super loud. That like, woo! was just like, it's not like the speakers are blowed out. Just bringing the energy over to our podcasts. Yeah, Jaws too excited for White Boy Summer. Like we talked about last week, right? Wait, we talked about this last week? Two weeks ago? You don't remember that at all? Chet oh Hanks. gosh, that stupid fucking song. <laughs> I don't know if it's a song. I was just thinking of Chet Hanks' dumb monologue, but it's okay. We don't need to talk about it. It wasn't meant to be this big of a thing. We shouldn't bring it up again, honestly. It was a, it was a dumb thing. It was only reserved for one episode. I think we should move on. What do you think? It's, um... So how's your day, Vince? <laughs> uh busy productive i guess i don't know it's all right uh tomorrow i'm turning 29 didn't want to mention it but i literally can't think of anything else to say so i gotta throw to that i guess so what better way to spend my early birthday with you jaw i'm honored wait when is your uh official you i mean you don't have to share but like oh is it coming up kind of thing like real right around the corner no it's tomorrow i don't care mentioning oh, <laughs> Okay. Well, then again, I post this at a different time, so who knows when the actual date is? I'll say it. It's June 11th. I don't care. <laughs> All our fans out there can gift me stuff. That's a thing. Have you noticed that people on Instagram they have like a uh, gift list that their fans apparently will get them? That's actually true. And then like a lot of influencers and stuff like that, they have an Amazon wish list, and people actually buy it. Exactly. I have a friend right now that's actually like been moderately successful. I don't know how you would you categorize that as like a Twitch streamer. And she's got enough donations to basically refurnish her entire room mm. for that equipment. And I'm like, okay. So that's exactly what I'm thinking of doing. I feel like we got a big enough platform, right? <laughs> if I say my birthday and put out a, just a bunch of shit I want, everybody will get it for me tomorrow, right? Let me know the link and I'll post the, whatchamacallit, your Amazon wish list. <laughs> now, fortunately, I think I'm at a point in life. Uh, I find myself not wanting a whole lot. Um... I guess, like, you know, when you were a kid, like, do you ever feel like there was that thing you wanted? Like, I don't know, a toy or, like, a video game or something that was, like, out of reach and you just, like, wanted it so much, but you're a kid, you only have, like, allowance if your parents are nice to give that to you or, I don't know, you may have had a job early, but, like, I feel like more stuff was out of reach, but when you become an adult uh, or somewhat kind of adult like we are, uh, when you get money on your own, it's a lot easier to just order shit whenever you want. I would say I'm in this position where I'm still like that, where the things that I want is still unattainable because it got more expensive and I have more money, but not enough money. Mm. What do you want? A house? <laughs> a house to name one, maybe a bow and arrow, maybe a VR headset, maybe a brand new desktop computer, maybe a shotgun. Uh, nice. I didn't know about the bow and arrow. I, uh, I went, uh, there's a place actually by the Oakland Zoo. There's a like archery range. I went there once. I, I'm not sure if that's still open. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if it's, I've heard different things about that place. I know what you're talking about, but one of my housemate was telling me how there's actually a archery range near where we currently live. So they're cool. Um, and he's willing to sell me his bow, apparently his pretty high tier bow and arrow for cheap. So I'm like, all right, cool. This might work out shelling out maybe $400 for this hobby. We'll see. Damn, that's a lot. Wow. You would really spend four. Well, I guess I guess if you want a good one, it makes sense. I mean, like, I'm I'm trying to order a guitar that's about 500-ish dollars, so I guess I get that. Yeah, no, it's like one of those things where it's like, 
it's it's the question of do you buy the thing that do you fork over the money to buy the good thing or do you keep buying like mediocre or kind of lower tier stuff and if it breaks you replace it but still cheaper but maybe like in the end like the amount of money you spend replacing it is going to be more than like the amount of like money you forked over for that really nice good shit yeah but then there's the diamond in the rough where you spend not that much money and it actually is high quality or maybe not high quality but quality enough that you're satisfied with you know oh yeah no it's like oh man this is good shit and then i don't have to worry about um like you said it's it's good enough and it, it like yeah no i'm pretty happy with this i feel like that with my car i don't know if you saw i posted uh it's officially 10 years since i've had my car a 2001 oldsmobile alero you remember one of our old co-workers that sorry when you mentioned car i was like oh somebody i we know got a car recently hmm. mm, uh, okay no. i'm not going to name names but it's the guy I think you that, should name names it's <laughs> the guy that name. um Remember he got in trouble for slamming his keyboard? Oh, oh yeah, I did see that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he got a brand new Lexus. Uh-huh. And I think jealous? he's doing uh a little bit, yes and no, but at the same time, like most car people actually don't like Lexuses because they don't hold value. But from the people that do own Lexuses, they are aware of that, but they own it because it's I mean, it's still not a bad car, it's still a fun car to drive. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not a car person at all, so I'm totally satisfied with my Oldsmobile. That's exactly like what I was talking about, of not spending that much money for it and it being exactly what you need. Wait, is that the same car that you drove us to the concert at Rise yeah. Against? Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, I think you went in it once, yeah. Like, literally just that one time was the only time you saw it. But hey, got us so. there in one piece, so that's all you need. It right? did. I, I'll have to admit, it may not necessarily be my cup of tea, but dig us over there in one piece. That's a very nice way to put it, because I have some car nerd snob friends who actively hate on it. So you saying that, even though it's not a compliment, is like the much nicer version of what I was expecting. I was expecting like, yeah, dude, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, I'll be real. I enjoy driving cars, especially the newer type stuff. And your car definitely is not something that I would drive. But hey, it's you. You enjoy it. You like it to each their own. Yeah, I'm not a car person at all, so I don't know. As long as it's comfortable and uh, I don't know, like I never got into cars because it's kind of like you don't really want what's super unattainable. I said there were things like when you're a kid that are like I would kind of like want like, I don't know, a toy or a video game, something like that when I was really young. But I think I wanted that stuff because it was like just unattainable enough to be somewhat attainable. You know what I mean? Like, like. As a kid, I'm not thinking I want a yacht like that's like too far out of reach. I'm thinking like I want a video game and then maybe as an adult, I'll think, OK, I want my own house or <clears throat> apartment. You know, it's like it needs like a certain level of attainment. And I think I don't know. I think a lot of cars are just so expensive that I never got into the idea of getting one, you know. Yeah, no, for me, I just have a lot of shit that I always wanted to buy and I have like a basically a list of things that I want to buy. But you're pretty cheap, too. So it sounds like a. Uh, really, I gotta somehow afford the things I want to buy. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. Move out of the Bay Area, that's what I might do someday. May or may not be debating about that. Oh my gosh, I have some, uh, I know some people that are like looking to buy homes and such like that, and everything is like, I don't think any home should be three bedroom, two bath, should be worth more than a million dollars. That said, everything here is worth more than a million dollars. 
Yeah, there was a guy who recently won the lottery and I think he won a million dollars and he basically said, yeah, I still have to work. I'm not like set for life. <laughs> I don't know if he lived in the Bay Area, but that would probably check out here, you know, but that was very much the old way back then. Like a million dollars was like the number of like, I'm fucking set. I don't need to do anything for the rest of my life, you know? Well, to be fair, if you have, if you use that million dollars and buy that first home, it does go a long way. With that said, some of these houses are going for like, like four bedroom, two bath for 1.5. So you're about two thirds of the way there. I think the <laughs> way so to go get the pressing. Yeah. We're talking about the happy stuff on this episode. I think the way <laughs> to go is move out of California, but everybody's doing that. Although I don't know, maybe since shit's opening up, people are going to stay. I don't know. Like people were initially moving out. Cause like paying for like super expensive apartment housing or like a one bedroom studio apartment when you can't actually do anything fun with the bay area it really loses its perks so maybe that's why a lot of people moved out and now that stuff's opening up that'll like stop as many people moving out i don't know so the thing is that a lot of people feel like they should they can move out with a whole work from home stuff or unemployment um mixture of things but most of the people that did move out of california like there was people publishing articles of like there's an exodus of this there's an exodus of that and to contrary to that, it's not what you think. It's more of the people who are renting because a lot of people who are buying homes right now, they're complaining how the inventory really isn't there. So it's not necessarily the homeowners that are leaving. And if they are, most likely they are selling their homes to buy new homes in other states. But the people that are leaving are just renters or people who never really own property here because otherwise the housing market, it, it really, really contributes to the housing market where it's astronomical. It's literally hitting new heights. That's a good point, but I don't think it's entirely like people who are renting or anything like that or like people who are just here, like, I don't know, like for a year or two or something like that. I think I've I've heard a lot of people who are like established for, I don't know, older comedians who have houses and everything who are, you know, just over it, just over just how uh, fuck. What was there's some live? I remember one person in particular. Oh, taxes. That was, I was like, what was the reason he left? Oh yeah. Taxes. So, I mean, stuff like that. You know what I mean? In addition to the housing, some people are just kind of over it and like wanting to leave. So I don't know. I think it's oh, a that's mix. True. So I think, but at the same time, so it's definitely like a mix. So there are people that like did own property left because of taxes and such like that, but definitely not enough where it like made a huge, huge difference. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, Chicago is looking real nice right about <laughs> my <laughs> die. <laughs> People say that shit, dude. I've known people who live there like 10 years and say it's fine. Just don't go to South. I love how like people go to Chicago for like, a, I don't know, a week or two or just watch the news. And they're like, oh, you can't move there, man. It's way too dangerous. You'll die. Like, uh, blah, blah, blah. it's like, fuck, I live in Oakland. It's not too. It can't be that far off, you know? Yeah, I know. People have told me like, so I have visited Chicago. I will say for the say this much. It's definitely not the kind of city I would live in. But I've been told the same thing. Just don't head south. Like, oh, I think there's like, what, two baseball teams? The Cubs and the White Sox? Yeah, exactly. And then people have said, yeah, no, Cubs, the stadium, Wrigley Field, totally fine. Oh, well, what if I want to watch the White Sox game? You might die. (laughs) Oh, all right. That's that's what, uh, that's the baseball team Rise Against likes. Which I I feel like works for me because Christine is uh, being from Missouri. She is a really diehard Cardinals fan. So as a result, the Cubs are her most hated team. So... My girlfriend and my favorite band aren't in opposition. Rise against like the White Sox. She likes the Cardinals. It's all good. <laughs> it's funny because like the only fans that have ever heckled me at Oracle Park, is that the name? Are Cubs fans. Hmm, interesting. 
Is there a rivalry between the Dodgers and uh, the Cubs? No. So, like, what happened was, like, I was wearing a Dodgers cap, but then I also happened to be wearing a jacket that's not Giants-related, but had, like, the color scheme. And, like, nobody said anything. No Giants fan. Nobody said anything, right? And it was a bunch mm-hmm. of random, like, Cubs fans heckling me. Mm, interesting. And that's where I it was, know. like, do I actually like Giant fans for a change? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I can never like draw generalizations with fans. I don't know. Maybe if you're a uh, baseball diehard and you can actually like, there should be somebody who studies like the fans of every team. Cause the only team that I can notice has like a distinct type of fan. You know what I mean? Is, uh, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Cause the way they dress up and the, like <laughs> the, like paint they, uh, put on their face and whatnot. I don't know. I think that's pretty clear, but everyone else, I feel like there's going to be assholes. There's going to be nice people. You can't say like, Oh, these fans suck. These fans are cool. You know? Okay, no, I 100% agree. Literally, there's you're right. There's definitely going to be asshole fans. There's definitely going to be like nice fans because like the reason why I fervently hate the Giants, I think I've told you this is that like I had a bad experience with some Giants fans at a bar, mm-hmm. um, and forever then I hate the team. I apologize to you for that. I was it was I don't know. I had a lot to drink. I'm sorry. All right, can you just <laughs> move on? No, <laughs> yeah, apparently. But like with Oakland fans, you're right. There's something else. <laughs> well, now they're not going to be there anymore because all the fucking Oakland teams are leaving and looking elsewhere. I don't know. Well, mostly the Raiders. Now that the A's fans are actually okay. Yeah, A's are. Yeah, A's. They just get excited and then never, <laughs> never actually win the World Series. Yeah, Nothing no, no, on them. Yeah. Raiders fans are definitely. Um, I forgot. Was it? I think it was like the season opener during the last year's NFL season. Um, people went to the stadium to throw a rager, mm. even though the stadium's closed, and then left. <laughs> Wait, that was last year. Yeah, last year I when like no fans were in attendance. Oh, I did. I might have heard about that. Wow, that's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds definitely definitely aligned with what I'd expect of them. But uh, speaking of sports, um, gotta talk about the elephant in the room. Fucking Lakers out, man. What the hell? I need to hear it from the source. What happened, Jeff? Honestly, so it was a trip. Uh, dang, I cannot talk right now. It was with multiple factors where, like, we our main star was injured, Anthony Davis. LeBron James is still not really the most healthiest. Also, he kind of gave up halfway, in my opinion. Um, and also, like, our supporting cast really did not show up. So basically, our entire team base just fucking collapsed. And yeah, seems, seems yeah like no. It. And so, like, for me, it's like, okay, I'm okay with the first round exit. Why? Because um, time to heal, time to recover. Our our team is like basically put together with scotch tape right now. Yeah, barely time holding to, it together. Time to promote Space Jam. Like, yeah, so that's basically what he's doing now, LeBron. And yeah. so I was like, I'm fine with that first round exit. Fine. Last two games, nearly lose by thirty points. Fuck, that was pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. LeBron, didn't he also get an injury earlier this year and say he's never going to be back at 100%? Yeah, so he had an ankle injury that basically, you know how like when you twist your ankle, it like, kind of goes like, was it outwards? It goes a certain direction. It went the opposite direction. Hmm. And so, yeah, no, that's an injury like that. It's going to take a little bit to come back from. Yeah, my friend but, was... Oh, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, my friend is uh, actually from the Bay Area, but he's surprisingly a LeBron James fan just because he likes, like, the story, like, the underdog story. So Mm -hmm. he actually was rooting for LeBron more than the Warriors, surprisingly. And he was saying, like, he was like, you know, 
I'm finally starting to see what people say when they say LeBron's dramatic, a little bit dramatic. I'm like, yeah, finally, like 10 years later. Okay, so when LeBron came to the Lakers, people were like, ha ha, how's it feel to have like uh, a flopper or something like that on your team? I'm like, if he wins, I don't care. <laughs> and yeah, then that's, that's more or less how I feel too. Yeah, and then given how he is recently, I'm just like, fucking hell, just win me a chip. <laughs> Did you see all the people? I'm sure you saw the Warriors game, the Warriors uh, Lakers game when the Warriors lost, and he made that like amazing three pointer like with a few minutes left. But before that, when he had the eye thing, like every, <laughs> all the people from uh, the Bay Area were talking so much shit, like all these Facebook statuses, like Le- LeBron is so soft, and like there there was like a baseball player around that time who got like a fastball to the face and like still played on and shit, and like talking about LeBron's like injury, how he was like down on the ground for I don't know what three minutes felt like. He made a quote saying, like, man, I was saying three hoops at the time. I just shot in the middle. And some, like, reporters like, man, so, like, crazy. He's amazing. He was playing when he was injured. Yeah, injured. Yeah. And I'm like, no comment. Hey, but we won. <laughs> yeah, that was, man, that was one of those wins that didn't, like, it technically happened, but, like, it was one of those where it wasn't, it was a combination of the Lakers having a good moment and the Warriors, like, not like clinching it at the end. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a clear victory. It was like, could go to anyone, but when the warriors were like dominating that game for the majority of it, it just like, didn't feel right. It was like, you really let that go at the end. I, like I said, my favorite player right now in the Lakers is Alex Caruso. Kevin Durant, right? You yeah, love fuck Kevin that Durant. guy. He can get hit by a bus. <laughs> um, I got one thing to say about Kevin Durant though. Is it a nice he, thing? He posted a Facebook or tweet from 2011. I think you'll find funny. <laughs> You ready for this? What do you say? He said, I want to drink the bath water that Scarlett Johansson comes out of. Hashtag random. <laughs> that was a laugh. I heard it. You gave KD some props. <laughs> I mean, I can laugh out of like pity. I, I don't know. I love I the guy's social media game is cracking me up. And like his, I, I, I don't want to be interviewed stance i find funny like that post-game interview you gave recently where they're like did you think you would be as good as you are right now or like playing at this level two years ago when you had that injury and he was just like is that a real question man like what do you expect me to have? what am i supposed to say to this? <laughs> dude just like doesn't want to be there it's like actually that's actually a good question because no that's actually a decent question it but is, yeah no but he does he doesn't want to be there he doesn't want to be interviewed for sure but yeah i i it is a good question, but I think as a player, when your only option is win in your brain, you know what I mean? You're so competitive that you're like, there is no other option. I got to be back on top. I could see what he was saying, but I could also see, I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's whatever. But uh, I'm sorry, as you were saying, if a player got run over, hit by a car or something. Uh, Kevin Durant, I hope he gets hit by a car. Anyways, oh. <laughs> no, my favorite player is Kevin uh, Alex Caruso, only because like, he, he he's not a bad player. He's a decent player. He's also not a guy that's like brings a lot of attention to him. He's not a diva like the entire fucking Brooklyn Nets roster or like the rest of the Lakers. And he, he he's just playing ball. I like him. And also one of his endorsements is a razor that specifically shaves balls. Nice. No, yeah. Why don't we get them as a sponsor? <laughs> oh yeah, sounds no, like should. a great first sponsor. I bought three of his jerseys, so maybe he'll help us out. Is he on the Lakers? He's on the Lakers currently. Ah, of course. That's why you like him. For now. I don't know. He's a free agent this summer. I hope he stays. Uh, I can't afford any more jerseys. 
27 years old, two years younger than us. Look at that. Damn. Oh my gosh, he's younger than us. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, no, there's but, some basketball players that are like 22 years old and shit. I mean, Kyrie Irving's the same age as us, but he's also a flat earther. Is he? Wow, yeah. he seems so much older. Born in 92. The beard makes him seem so much older. And he was in a movie. He was in that uh, movie where he looked like an old person, but he was like a baller. Did you? <laughs> oh, uh, Uncle Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. He is yeah. a little. Wow. He was. <laughs> Dude, he was born in Australia. What the fuck? <laughs> so random. So, so uh, moving on from basketball. Yeah, we talk a lot more sports than I expected. But uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Topic? Uh, the topic. Actually, there's one thing I want to say before the topic. Uh, I saw a movie recently. What'd you watch? Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, how is that? Okay, wait. Actually, I have an important question about that. How much of it like shows where they're from or like prequel shit? Um, one big question of where they're from is answered, but it it's not like you get that the whole way through. It's like a quick moment in the beginning, and you're like, okay, that answers that. And then uh, I'd say the first 10 minutes are like kind of an origin of like what life was like when this actually started, you know, like maybe 10 minutes. And then the rest of it's pretty much a modern day. Okay, because like I was more interested about like prequel stuff and like the mystery behind the monsters, but not so much like because the movie sounded like, oh, we're looking for survivors. And that's like, I'm not too interested about that plot. I'm more interested about like the beginning. Yeah, it's, uh, it does answer some questions, but I think the sole focus of this is like character driven. Like they're trying to like talk about stuff now and like show the depth and like growth of these characters more so than like explain everything about these creatures. Okay. All right. I don't know. I still think it's good. I don't know if it's, it's, I don't know. It feels like it's different. It's hard to rank if it's better than the first or worse than the first. It's just different, but I, it's one of those, you know, some movies, um, some movies you can't really rank them. It just feels like two parts of the same story. You know what I mean? Cause this mm-hmm. one picks up right after the last one. So it just feels like one big story, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you like the first one, I think you'll like this one. I'll say that. Fair enough. Okay. Killian Murphy's good too. I think he's a, he's a good addition. Okay. Yeah. Did you see the first one? I did. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very. It was good. John Krasinski. John ja, ja likes something. What am I hearing? Yeah, I like it. It, it wasn't meh. <laughs> I always share things that I like on here. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Most seventy five percent of the movies we talk about, you're like meh. I don't know. Not enough action. It was enjoyable, but okay. I, <laughs> the second one, I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep an open mind. But I already told you what I was hoping for. It doesn't sound like it's going in that direction. Yeah, well, if you know you're not going to get that, maybe that, like, clears it out of the way. You know what I mean? You won't feel disappointment. Like, you know what you're in for more so. Yeah, so that's out, that's out of the way now. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not like this fucking Spider-Man trailer. It's, have you heard about that? It keeps, like, every week they're like, it's coming out today. It's coming out today. And then it doesn't. Well, no, with the Spider-Man thing, there's been so many mixed things. So, like, people are saying, oh, yeah, no, we have recorded evidence that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are there. And then you have like officials from Marvel, Kevin Feige. I don't know who, but somebody official stating, no, they are not involved in the movie whatsoever. Or like the the actors themselves stated, we did not get a call. So here's the thing, Kevin. I don't think Kevin Feige's commented on it. I think the thing you're thinking of is probably Andrew Garfield. He was interviewed about it and he said no, but uh, he could. I think he looked left as soon as he said that, which means you're lying. So <laughs> clearly means he's lying, right? 
Well, yeah, no, there's a lot of people saying like, no, we have like accounts of people saying they met you on set. Yeah, it is possible that they might not be in it, but I don't know. Jamie Foxx also posted a photo that he deleted. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, so Jamie Foxx is in there, the original actor who played. I didn't hear about the Jamie Foxx thing, but he's in there. The actor yeah. who played Doc Ock is also in there. So it's like, oh, it's the multiverse. Yeah, so everyone first thought of that because of like those people being announced in the movie and then it's like well if they're in it it only makes sense that like the other spider-man are in it but uh the thing with jamie fox is he actually posted a photo of him announcing himself as being back in the movie and it was electro and it was the specific image was like a fan created image or maybe it was concept art i don't know and it had like this big silhouette of like electro in the background and then it had the three spider-men you know like oh wow okay there. Yeah, so I think, I don't know, the fact that he deleted it pretty quickly after, that could just be a coincidence. Maybe he just found, like, some fan artwork that just had all three Spider-Men in there, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, the studio got wind of him and was like, hey, take that shit down. Yeah, or, like, maybe he thought it was, like, already announced, but it wasn't about the other three Spider-Men, or two Spider-Men, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. The thing I'm referring to, though, is, like, the last couple weeks, this is, like, some Instagram nerd shit, but basically uh, there's been, like, conspiracy theories that, like, there was a day last week when it was Tom Holland's birthday. There was a theory that the Spider-Man trailer was going to come out and then it didn't. And then there's this thing where like movie theater people who work at movie theaters are claiming that like they get trailers like that arrive to them to show. And like somebody claimed that the batch of movies like this week has the Spider-Man trailer. So if it's in theaters, then it's going to be online like the same time, you know? So um, there was a theory that today it was for sure going to be released. Nice. Well, I know there's been a lot of rumors about it. I don't know at this point. Yeah, it's got to come out eventually, but I'm getting getting impatient. My expectations are fucking me over. But uh, yeah, we should get to the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Our 10 listeners who's listening on our day for the last like. Basically 20 minutes almost. (laughs) Is it 20? Oh, man, time flies. Um, Yeah, what do we talk about? We talk about NBA and Spider-Man and A Quiet Place. Now we're going to talk about music. Nice transition. Um, something came out last week. You know what that was, Ja? What was it, Vince? It was the new Rise Against album. Oh, and damn. For anyone who knows me, Rise Against is my favorite band that I won't shut up about. I think I'm the only person I know who is this as obsessed with Rise Against, too. I don't know. I haven't. It's not like a Grateful Dead thing. Have you heard of that? Like Grateful Dead has like people who are obsessed with them. Deadheads. I've never heard of that. I do know the band. Yeah, there's like a type of fan called Deadheads and like some bands have like more culty status, you know, like people who like follow them on tour and like really it's like a thing where they worship them kind of thing, you know, Uh, not Rise Against. I feel like I'm the only one who feels that way, but I'm okay with it. You're a you're a casual fan, right? Yeah, so I definitely do enjoy their uh, hits, all the stuff that like their singles. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny, actually, I was uh, on Facebook, I was looking up Rise Against and looking if anybody posts about it, like friends wise, and uh, I found a post from you actually from like 2000, I don't know, eight, nine, something like that, where you posted Ready to Fall and you said best song ever. Which one was this called? Ready to Fall. Oh, Ready to Fall. Oh, I remember. Okay, so like I did play it a lot as a kid uh, in high school, especially like the Ready to Fall had a lot of environmental stuff that was going on in the music video and the time i was taking ap environmental science and was like yeah this field i'll probably be working in and stuff like that so you're saying rise against help you choose your career i mean like if anything it reinforced it 
I'm hearing that you didn't know what you were doing. You were like lost on the path of life and then Rise Again showed you what to do. That's what I'm hearing. Sure. If it helps sure. you sleep better at night. Uh, Yeah, it, it does actually. So, Okay, then yes. Uh, No, yeah. So uh, we're basically, long story short, we're both the Rise Against fans, me more so than Joff. But uh, I was very excited for it. Um, To me, it feels like a very uh, necessary remedy that kind of, Makes me forget all the woes of 2020 and the dark stuff that happened. And uh, I don't know, just makes it like officially feel like, yeah, okay, life's, it's a good sign of the times. Life's uh, picking back up. You know, things are opening up. What better thing to have parallel pathing that than a new Rise Against album? And uh, I'm a big fan of it. I like it a lot. Uh, I think it's got some really great songs. Uh, I was a little worried because the first song that came out was very much not up my alley. It was a little too poppy, a little, uh, the chorus almost sounded country-esque. Um production wise so i was a little worried but uh rest of the album i'm really digging so uh life's good yeah <laughs> wait so, so what do you overall you loved it yeah i give it 10 out of 10 well maybe not 10 out of 10 9 out of 10 for me personally there's a lot of stuff i really really like on there so it just feels like i was actually nervous before i listened to it you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh i think that kind of brought on this topic because what i'm about to say because when i first listened to it it's like when you like a band so much um and they don't release an album like regularly we'll say like i don't know every three to four years at least i don't know if you get this but when i listened to that rise against album i was almost nervous because i was like i hope it's good just because i'm afraid of the disappointment that's gonna sit with me for the next three to four years if it doesn't live up to the usual euphoria i get from it you know do you do you have that with any music or anything like that i feel like with every music because every i mean all these people consider themselves as artists and so because of that they they want to change their art and so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I like you for that reason. And if you change it, it's going to be hit or miss. Either I'll like it or I don't. And so for me, I think that happens to every band I listen to. So moments where it's like, oh, I love Blink-182. And then the most recent album, oh, fuck that. But the previous two albums, great. The two before that, and eh, not so much. The original one, oh yeah, no, loved it. So that's for me. It's always going get, to be like that. Do you ever get nervous though listening to it? Because you're like almost like thinking like, man, I'm just afraid of the disappointment, like sitting with this and not being happy with it and like not getting that usual joy and like wondering if there's like, because for me, like Rise Against, I feel like their music is very reliable. You know, there's only like five songs out of like nine albums that I haven't been into as much, which is saying a lot. So like, weirdly enough, it's like, because they have such a good track record, it makes me more nervous, like in case they break that finally, you know? I don't know if you ever feel that way. So something. a question and a point and a question. So like, yeah, like before I used to be nervous about it, but now I, I just respect the fact that they're being artists and trying to do it. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, cool. I'm not going to be adding that to any playlist. And I guess a question now is that original single that was released. Do you like it now? You know, I was wondering that because uh, I think I'm open-minded because when you first hear a song, you know, you're not into it. Sometimes you're not into it, but you wonder, like, in the context of the album, does it work? You know, if you listen from the album start to finish, will you like it more? And I was thinking that might help them with this song, hoping it would. But overall, I still kind of don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. Still not really feeling it. And I think in the context of the album, it does work more, but it also does kind of feel like a low point of the album that kind of takes away from it a bit. So, uh, so that's why it's a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Right. Um, so overall, the album, I thought it was. Um, so like, I stand by my statement of I'm going to keep being a casual fan. It 
so listening through the entire album there's probably one song i did like taking to ourselves or talking to ourselves i enjoyed that i like that a lot it felt different the rest of it felt like maybe say for like one song that was astronomically different from the rest of the album the full album felt very the same to me yeah no i think i can see that because you're more into pop punk right i think that's like more your genre and i think that talking to ourselves is for sure the most like poppy kind of pop punk single song for the most part and uh if you really like something a style you you see the nuance in it more whereas if somebody's not as into it then it's just gonna sound like the same thing to someone you know like like screaming for example like screaming and metal music or like hardcore music a lot of people it sounds the same but if you're like a big metal fan you can like tell the difference in the types you know yeah so definitely i guess that would probably be a good way of explaining it so like uh, stylistically i do resonate that better so like the overall album like i can't say that it's bad but all i'm going to say is like your car (laughs) it's just not my cup of tea and it felt like the album was very reliable in the sense of like rise against it's going to be heavy um comparatively so and this album stayed consistent with that yeah exactly i thought i i like the heavy stuff a lot so i don't know you said there was one song you thought was a sudden departure did you feel like it was a departure because it was super heavy it was super light it was oh, very, uh, you know which one i'm talking about yeah forfeit the acoustic song it might be but i don't want to like blast it right now <laughs> no, that's all right yeah no i see that i think this album also had some songs that were heavier than they usually have so i like that a lot so i think that really tickled my taint so uh <laughs> ew <laughs> no but with every album i notice that there's always going to be one song that's astronomically different so like with lincoln park the original uh i think first two three albums they always had like just uh han doing yeah. his like uh techno or even whatever the fuck the term is like solos like Rich. one full album yeah mixing. dedicate to that yeah what was the cure for the itch was on the first one Oh, Cure for the Itch was, dang it, I should know this one. Intermission or something like that was the second one. I can't remember. But anyways, yeah. If yeah. you look up the first, if you look up the first two Linkin Park albums, you'll find them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my thought and opinion. Yeah. I like variety too. Variety like makes albums a lot more interesting to me. You know, like when you have a fast song, slow song, ballad song, longer song, instrumental, that always makes it a lot more entertaining, I guess. But, um, yeah, so going off of this topic, uh, I thought, why not talk about other albums we like? So figure we can go one by one, tip for tat, and uh, I'll just talk about it, albums that, I don't know, influenced us or we just liked a lot. So I've been talking a long time, so you want to get it started, Joe? <laughs> All right, first album I'm going to go with is the Warrior soundtrack. Do you know what that is? Uh, TV show? Is that the Bruce Lee one, TV show? Yes, that is the um, Bruce Lee-inspired Produced by his daughter, TV show. All right. And so for a little bit of background about that TV show, we should probably talk about. Do you have HBO Max? I do. Did you have you watched it? Oh man, I got so many shows to watch. Should all right, forget all that. List? Forget all that you're listening, just watch this one. Um <laughs> uh, wait, what's on your <laughs> list? Um Shameless. That's next. We don't want to talk about that's a whole nother rabbit. <laughs> well, no, I just wanted to make sure that my advice is sound, and at the moment it does sound sound. <laughs> Yeah, it's got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty solid. So so the premise of the show is it's basically Chinatown right before the Chinese Exclusion Act. And there's a something called Tang. So basically, I think that might be the Cantonese. They speak Cantonese, and I don't speak it. I speak Mandarin. Uh, I think for uh, gangs. 
or like their version of like the mafia and such like that and so they it's a little bit of that it's it's very violent uh you have gang wars and also like race wars at the same time and they at the end of every episode they always have like a different chinese rap uh with it i think there was one episode where they took place in somewhere very close to the mexican border so they had uh, a spanish song but for the most part every other song is some type of chinese or some type of chinese english uh rap wait every song has a rap or, i'm sorry every episode has a rap like a at the song? end of it so they like take uh, it they just get it from somebody else like somebody else's song and they just have it at the end of the episode uh, I, thought the tell, I thought you're gonna tell me it was like a, a musical <laughs> bruce Lee musical it's like oh man and then um i think the intro the uh the theme song was produced and and in, in, in part by mike shinoda from lincoln park and so I really do enjoy the show and I really do enjoy the album. I felt like, oh, sweet. This is able to, I'm able to be, I never really listened to much Chinese music. If anything, most of my Asian music was primarily probably anime or Japanese music because well, anime, but this time around, it's like, oh, cool. I'm Chinese. There's some Chinese rap in here. That sounds really cool. I really do enjoy it. I understand maybe about 30% of what they're talking about because they're going too fast, but it's like something that I could identify, especially with a it goes in hand in hand with a TV show that's um, is really well done. People really do enjoy it. People like the violence, the wheeling and dealing on the side uh, and how it's basically going through that race war and trying to survive in America early on. I feel like this was a double plug for the TV show and the uh, soundtrack of the album. Yeah, so watch the show. <laughs> See, they they confirmed season three uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think I feel like. Do you remember a long time ago? I think we did an episode of like shows you wish you could bring uh, bring back from the grave. Oh, is this on the list? I thought you might have said it. I can't remember. Today. I don't remember either. If it did, but... then yes, because it used to be on a subsidiary of HBO called Cinemax. Since HBO Max released, they consolidated assets and it's on hbo max and that drew a lot more people to watch it because it was on a platform that nobody fucking watched but now it's because it drew so much attention now uh hbo greenlighted season three well hopefully it's still as good could be like uh rest of development uh when when they brought it to netflix did you ever see that no i do know what it's the one with the that one comedian guy it's like it everything Jason Bateman? Yeah. Yeah. Ozark? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like his one thing that's not comedic, I guess, in recent years. <laughs> and he's still pretty much the same character, actually, in Ozark that he is in Arrested Development. It's funny. Oh, the wow. Tone, that's interesting. The, the tone is, like, super different, but he's more or less the same person just without the, the like, funny stuff happening. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, well, hey, he doesn't have to get in character too much, then. Yeah, exactly. People just like his demeanor. Um. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably check out the show. I'm sure at some point I just got a lot of crap on my list. Uh, soundtracks. Yeah, I like the idea of a soundtrack, too. I, uh, I don't really mess with soundtracks too much, but it's more just background noise. But I don't know if you really get into the show, I could see maybe like listening to it and like remembering each song associated with certain episodes you really liked, you know? Yes, definitely. Yeah, cool. All right. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> No, that's pretty in. much it but yeah so it, it was a great cultural identity kind of thing ah, okay so that further solidifies why you like it a lot too yes i get that all right cool i'll check it out sometime uh the next 10 years for sure it's on my list 
<laughs> Forget everything else. Scrap the list. Just watch this. You're good. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, anyways, next. Um, so, you know, I'm a big Metallica fan in addition to Rise Against, right? No, not at all. Escaped my mind. Yeah, I only mentioned it once an episode, at least, I think. Um, Actually, this might be the longest time you've ever brought up Metallica. Well, they also <laughs> haven't done much lately. So, to their credit, I think if they had done more things in the past year, I probably would still be bringing them up once an hour. <laughs> Fair least. enough. But uh, yeah, so when I first got into music, that was one of the bands that uh, like was early on very influential because their stuff in the 80s is kind of considered like the Bible for metal as a genre and a specific type of metal called thrash metal. You ever heard that genre? Yes. Okay, cool. So thrash metal is basically like punk in the 80s meets like traditional metal like Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. And it it was kind of like the predominant genre in the 80s and not so much the 90s, but uh, they basically were the uh, like front runners of it and like solidified it and made it like what it was and wrote some of the best songs, albums in that genre. And the problem was in the 90s, they got very experimental and uh, went very off course. So they weren't like doing the same things that uh, people like got really into them for. So there's a lot of backlash. They're very different. They cut their hair. They weren't playing as fast. You know, they were trying a lot of experimental stuff. So around 2003, um that's when I kind of first got into them and they just released what a lot of people consider their worst album. Uh, it was called St. Anger and it, uh, they just, they, they did things very, very different to how they typically would. So it had a lot of backlash. The, the stereotype was new Metallica sucks, you know, like Metallica, they're greedy. They, uh, um, they sued Napster. They hate illegal downloading, et cetera. Their new music sucks. They only listen to the old stuff, you know, and being a kid, I don't know, uh, I was about high school, eighth grade age. I kind of had this optimism where, like, I just want the next album to be, like, the album where they get back on track. Like, their comeback album, like, we all love a comeback story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, with that, I was kind of just ignorantly, blindly assuming, like, yeah, their next one, it's going to be the one that gets them back into it. Because I just started listening to them. So, like, clearly my fanhood is going to turn them back <laughs> into the right direction. And uh, it took them like five years in between those albums. Like it took a long time for them to make their next album, but eventually it did come out in 2008 and it was called Death Magnetic. I think the cover. Oh, you've heard the, that? The song Cyanide is in there. Yeah, exactly. So I think the title of the album is uh, pretty, I don't know, kind of cheesy. Just Death Magnetic. It just sounds very juvenile. But if you see the cover, it looks a lot cooler because it's a magnet in the shape of a coffin. And it has all these like shards of metal, like forming a magnetic field. So I think that's kind of cool. It almost makes it work. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do recall that. Yeah, I think it's a cool cover. But um, yeah, so that's album. Lo and behold, uh, was actually kind of thought of as their comeback album. And for me, it just felt very validating, like thinking, like just having this ignorant, like assumption that they're going to get back on track. And then it ultimately being the album that does kind of go back to the style that they had in the 80s. But like now they're a lot older, so you never heard like the older versions that they are now play the style that was in the 80s. So it was like this cool new experimentation of like the same people who are playing their original style, but now they're just older and sound like different people. I don't know if this makes sense at all, but it was uh, it was a cool like breath of fresh air. And that was like if I hear that album, it just reminds me of my junior year of high school. So, uh, yeah, liked it a lot. Oh, gosh, um, song out, is that album out that long? Ago? Yeah, yeah, it's like over ten years at this point. Oh my gosh, I've like vividly recall it in college still. 
Yeah. Is that when you first got into it? Or no, I first heard it in high school. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I first heard it when it came out, so I'm assuming that would be high school then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Came out our junior year, so, uh, yeah. Really liked it. Um, helped me through. I feel like lyrically, too, when you can kind of latch on some meaning to songs, that's uh, a huge thing. And a lot of the songs, like, were abstract enough that you could kind of find meaning, um, meaning with them in different aspects of life, and I felt that with this album a lot. And I think the songs were very big, very intricate, had a lot of riffs to them, which I like a lot, so... Big fan, Metallica, Death Magnetic. Solid. And why am I not surprised that it's on your list? Uh, but no, it had, a, it had a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah, exactly. It was a, everyone loves a comeback. That's basically the summary. Um, so my album, next one would be Songs from the Underground by Linkin Park. Um, so why do I like, okay, so this is one of my first Black Fridays ever. And I was at Best Buy, I lined up for it and everything. I forgot, I think I was like still like dark when I first went to go line up. Like the person in front of me, I think threw up or something like that because I don't know for whatever reason. I thought you said I was still dark, like you had a skin change or something. <laughs> no, if anything, I'll be talking about my soul. Anyways, right. um, so yeah, I, I did the whole line thing, Black Friday, and I saw, I was going through the album section of Best Buy and I saw this and I was like, whoa, this is cool. And I, I never really like bought albums and CDs and I never really um, got the uh, Lincoln Park membership because like I was in high school, I didn't have an income I can, or like middle school or whatever. And I couldn't pay for any of that. But I saw this album, like Songs from the Underground. What is this? Oh, it's all their unreleased stuff. Like usually stuff that you, they give to members and such like that. Or the fan club. And they released an album for it. And it was on Black Friday and it was on sale. So I took it and I was like one of the few only copies or like really nobody even had that album, right? Because it was under the radar, such like that. And for a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, you know that one super heavy Linkin Park song? It was like an unreleased, it was only for fans. Yeah, I have it. It's on my CD that I got. And so for a lot of people, it's like, oh, they never heard the song or never knew about it. Or the ones that did know about it, they're like, oh yeah, I know it's very exclusive. And so I managed to get my hands on one of the copies of it. Nice. Very cool. Sorry, I was on mute because I was eating chicken. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, no, it's funny. I actually ordered that CD recently because I because uh, you can't find it anywhere. It's not like on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, you know? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Maybe it might be worth something. I'm not going to sell it. <laughs> yeah, if you have the original, maybe it'll make a lot of money. Um, I've heard first generation iPods are selling like crazy in case you have one of those still. I do have a couple of old ones. I don't know even, what I've done with it. Even if they don't work, they might sell. Um, that's a whole nother tangent, though. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, QRD is the song you're talking about. That was really heavy. That's right? the one. A lot of people do like it for the ones that did know it. Yeah, it's funny. I remember thinking because this was before they took the plunge and made uh, Minutes to Midnight. And a lot of people were like turned off because it didn't sound like the first two albums. You know, this was it might have movie. like right then or like either before or after. I'm pretty sure it was like a year before or like in the two year period between Meteora and Minutes to Midnight. But I remember thinking when Curity came out, like it's a solid song. But I remember thinking like uh, it just kind of sounds like other Linkin Park. And <laughs> it's funny because mm -hmm. when Minutes to Midnight came out, I thought like, man, I kind of wish they stuck with that same style that I thought was like too old with Curity. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is a solid album. It's uh, kind of a hidden gem like uh like an EP full of songs no one's ever heard. It's like only the true fans would have it. Yeah, and then it's it's so for like people, it's like, oh, were you ever part of the fan club? No, but I have this album. Does it grant me like bragging rights? 
Ah, good enough. <laughs> Do I get bragging rights if I ordered it 15 years later? Uh, I mean, if you don't tell people that. Oh, it came out in 2008. Oh, I'm looking it? it up right now. Oh, interesting. That's the same year the Metallica album came out. Damn. All right. Um, Wait, hold it. Wait. No, it didn't. No, there's no way. It did not come out in 2008. Like 2006. Because Minutes to Midnight came out my freshman year, so... Oh, I'm looking it up right now. It's two, It says 2008. Let me look it up again. Maybe that was like a release. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Nobody's going to like write us hate mail because we got the year wrong. Yeah, so that's that's my second album. How about yours? Uh, my second album. Um, so I'm going to nuance it a bit uh, to um, go with your pop punk kind of style of genre um some 41 i think you're familiar with the band right joe absolutely i have one of their shirts and i remember um somebody was comment actually was it with you i don't know oh it was with you we were at like some kind of like former co-worker hangout something it was like an sf and then i was wearing and i remember people like oh that guy's wearing a some 41 shirt oh i think i do remember this yes yeah, somebody yeah was it a, I don't know if it was just a random person or like a coworker there. I no, it was remember. a random person. Yeah. There you go. And that, <laughs> that, uh, got your ego feeling good. Oh yeah. No, very. <laughs> no, it is nice when somebody does compliment your shirt, especially if it's a band you like too. I always like kind of wear band shirts. I like if I'm starting a new job or something like that, just to kind of suss out if anyone comment. Usually nobody does, but <laughs> I, I mean, I knew I had a coworker that, that like slipped on. I commented about it. At Twitter or somewhere else? Oh, uh, no, it was at, like, UCSF. Uh, okay. Well, anyways, going back to Sum 41, yeah. Um, can you guess the album that I'm going to pick? I'll see if you can. Oh, shoot. I don't know, like, albums. I actually don't know any of the albums. Chuck. Names. That's right, Ja. It was Chuck. Is that the one, the green face thing? Uh, it's, oh, no, that's, that's, that's the so infected. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was the one after that. So uh, the year was 2004, five. I was seventh grade, and... Uh, I had previously, believe it or not, I don't know if I ever told you this, listened to country music in sixth grade. Did I ever tell you that? I could believe if you said you listen to country music now, but less so in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, well, unlike now, I didn't have my car at the time. So if I had to get to places, um, I was kind of at the mercy of my mom driving me. And my mom happened to play country music in the radio. So that's cute. Didn't really have a choice. So uh, there was a month long period where it was just absolute hell. I hated it. It just it was just like the most just insanely cliche, dumb, super simple, uh, repetitive lyrics and songs with a country with a redneck accent along to it or southern accent, whatever. Um, and then after that month long period, I surprisingly liked it. You know, it was almost like a like a I don't know what you call it. Brainwash <laughs> brainwashing stage. I don't know. Or Stockholm uh, syndrome, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. But uh, so, yeah, I eventually like country. And then in seventh grade, Green Day American Idiot came out and uh, a few kids in my class were like talking about it. And it was like the cool thing, you know, like you remember how like big that album was back in the day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It it was big enough where like it became a a musical, which I wish I did see. Yeah, I can skip the musical, but it is that is a testament to how big the album was. Um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, you know, a huge song from that album um I, I still think it's a great record too looking back on it like even past all the fame and how overplayed it might have been but uh around that time uh kids were talking about it and on n- not listening to rock at all not knowing anything about it i wanted to like seem cool and like 
know what I was talking about. So uh, next time I was at Target with my mom, uh, I looked in the CD section and saw some 41 album that came out and I knew nothing about it. Hadn't heard anything. I'd heard like one song on the radio and I thought it sounded good. Uh, Pieces. Have you heard that song? I feel like I want to say yes. It's kind of the ballad on the album. It was uh, they play it like every show. But uh, yeah, so I heard that song on the album and I was like, good enough for me. I'll buy it. And I remember I'd heard Fat Lip a few years ago and thought I remember liking that. So I'm like, I'm sure I'll like this album if like that was good. And uh, it like blew my mind. I actually think it's like one of the still one of the best all around records, I think. And it sounds funny saying that about a pop punk record because people don't typically look to pop punk as like this, like really artistic form of music. You know what I mean? It's really just like fun, good time music that reminds you of high school. Would you agree with that? Everything is art. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) I'm not wrong. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's, we'll leave that one unchecked, but yeah. So I actually think it's a really, really great album and it just feels crazy that that out, like to find on your first like try finding a rock album that you can talk about to people like i found one that i actually ended up liking so much and was like so enamored with and to this day i still think it's a really really great record and like sounds super well produced uh, has some really great memorable songs and for the band i think it's to me i think it's still their best album of everything they released so uh yeah chuck some 41 big fan was the album that helped me try to seem cool in my class by talking about rock music that i like nice okay um, okay, what would be my th- okay? My third one came to mind. It's the last album from Linkin Park. The last album, huh? That's a the last choice. album. Very, um, very controversial. Yeah, so like definitely, it was one of the albums that when it first came out, people were like, "Man, Linkin Park really uh, sucks now. They it, it's it's just not the same anymore." Like after the first two albums, man, they really fell off the wagon. Like they should just break up. They're, they they're trash now and then with uh chester bennington's passing uh people were like oh yeah no um this is like basically one of the best albums is because of the whole like uh how depressing it sounded or whatever it may be and it's like i think we talked about this before on the show where it's like you, you do realize their songs have always been very fucking depressing right it's like no, no especially this one are you talking about heavy? No, I'm just saying in general the album. Ah, okay. Um, and they're like it's basically like a swung song and everything, and I'm like, you do realize since like day one they've been talking about like depression and like their inner demons and all that bullshit, right? Um, okay, not bullshit, but like all that stuff. And so the album One More Light, I really like it a lot. Yes, it's very a huge tone shift. There's maybe like one or two heavy songs on the entire album. But the book majority of it is on the slower side of things. It definitely talks more about depression. I think like he was going through uh, a really heavy bout of it during this time. And so for me, it's like during a time period where it's like, oh, yeah, I really do uh, resonate with this album. And I really do like it. It was also a really great album. I enjoyed singing along to it and such like that uh, in my car with the windows rolled up. Anyways, so yeah. you're not you don't want people to hear you singing to it or playing it out loud unless i am it's not that it's more like i don't think i sing very well but i think i do but i think i don't but let's not let's not find out (laughs) next episode jaw's gonna sing the intro and you're gonna have to make me thoroughly drunk all right we'll do it anyways me (laughs) um 
so yeah that's why i really do enjoy the album especially it is like the last album of lincoln park at the moment yeah that's right they talked about the they might still make more music apparently without chester yeah so they're they think about moving forward pressing forward i don't exactly know what that means but we will see hopefully yeah yeah that's uh I'm, i'll say this i'm glad you enjoyed <laughs> Because I, I think I share the exact opposite sentiment for uh, One More Light. I don't actively hate it, but like you said, with my car and the new Rise Against album, it just wasn't for me. But I'll say rather than just wasn't for me, it very, very much so wasn't for me. I don't know. It had a lot of controversy for sure. I think people, not everybody was on board with the uh, the style shift for sure. Yeah, no, a lot of people really weren't because they're like, oh, we want the new metal stuff. We want Meteora. We want Hybrid Theory. And then in some of the interviews, they're like, if you want that, then just keep listening to it. Yeah, but that's never how it works. You know what I mean? You want new stuff that sounds like that. You know what I mean? It is. I get it. But at the same time, they're one of the few bands where it's, oh, I'm a little bit nervous every time around. They do have a new album. But when they do have that new album, I for the most part like enjoy it a lot that's good you enjoy it you seem like one of the most pure fans that kind of like is up for the experimentation that they do i think for me i i would be more on board with it if they almost didn't call it lincoln park you know what i mean if it was like a just call it a different band name in a weird way i'd probably be more on board with it because i have to admit i am like predisposed to like their old stuff better but that's just more my jam you know but if you're like a purist Lincoln Park, uh, Lincoln you can fark. <laughs> Lincoln fuck. Um, Lincoln Park fan. I was trying I, to say fart. I'm like, excuse me? I said fark because I can't talk. Yeah, no, um, I thought you were trying to say fart for some it's reason. My, it's my subconscious. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, If you're a purist Lincoln Park fan, I'm happy if you like it. But yeah, for me, very much not my jam. Oh, that's fine. I mean, like to each their own. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we both saw them live, so that's nice. <laughs> I regret not seeing them more in live. Yeah, I, we saw them at the same concert, too. That's pretty cool. We did. When, and funny we, enough, I mean, the singer of Rise Against joined them on stage. It all comes full circle. Hey, <laughs> I still, which of all, um, I think I found a clip somewhere on YouTube. And so, like, with Chester Bangton's passing, I was, like, replaying, like, parts of that concert that I could find on YouTube. Yeah, I recorded some videos of it. I don't know if you, I don't know. Did you record videos of that night too? I do, but then there's a like, I, I think I probably did, but there's definitely a lot of stuff like I never really go back to listening to. Yeah, I feel it's funny. Like everyone says like, like, why, why are you recording at a concert? You're never going to look back on it. I'm like, dude, I, I actually do. <laughs> I really enjoy looking back on clips, even if the audio is terrible and like filming looks bad. It just reminds me of the time, you know, because my memory ain't so good, you know? Fair enough. But yeah, no, it's um yeah, no, so like I don't know. I just don't. And I just try to look for the pictures I do like and post it on Instagram and then call it a day. That's fair. Your pictures on Instagram always look good for the concerts. And in general, I feel Thank like you. you do quality over quantity with Instagram. Um, Likewise. All right. So going off that note, since you brought up Lincoln Park and I talked about Rise Against, why not make it full circle with Rise Against again? I'm going to talk about another Rise Against album. Okay. See if, you, see if you know this one. Have you heard of the album Endgame? Yes. All right. So I'm going with that album. So 
this album came out 2011 and uh kind of similar story to the metallica thing where it was a little bit of a comeback album uh i felt like the next like this album before it came out i really wanted it to be like a homer like a home run because uh with rise against up till that point i had felt like every one of their albums like satisfied me was everything i was looking for and like chronologically each one got better and the album the suffer and the witness uh came out 2006 that has ready to fall the good left undone prayer of the refugee you know these songs right mm-hmm. yeah so to me, that's my favorite album period of all time. I think it like when I was talking about variety, I think it has like the perfect mix of faster songs, slower songs, ballady songs, you know, good variety just everywhere on it. I think the songs are just all good. Like sonically, it sounds really crisp and clear and in your face. Hooks are memorable. Lyric like lyrics stick with you. So to me, that's like the perfect album in my mind. And after that, album, I was wondering, like, how do you top it? Like, could I like, is, am I just going to think this next album is even more perfect? And the album after that was uh, 2008, Appeal to Reason. So that has um, Hero of War, uh, Re-Education Through Labor, Audience of One. You know these songs? Yes. Re-Education, yes, but a couple of those, no. Yeah. So I like that album, but it was the first time I felt like they didn't like top themselves from the past one. And I think there was the first time I felt like some of the stuff didn't sound as natural. Like maybe they might have had like a few... Too, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen type of situation when they were writing it and then some of the melodies didn't feel as natural or like feel as natural to get into but i still like it overall it just felt like a bit of a dip uh, step down um so following that i was like for between 2008 and 2011 when they released endgame that the hope was like the next album like gets them back on track and like it's like a like hits it out of the park type of thing and uh fortunately i think endgame is exactly what i was looking for it's a lot heavier it's more concise um the songs have almost more of a hard rock kind of vibe like instead of like punk rock bands just doing chords they do some kind of like uh more single note like uh intro guitar things like a song like broken mirrors or midnight hands doesn't sound like traditional punk and it kind of like almost transitioned more to hard rock in a weird way in a lot of places and um I don't know. It was just exactly what I was looking for. Very heavy songs are very tight um, and kind of got them back on track from thinking like if there was a worry that like they were just going to go downhill from here. End game was kind of a sign that like, no, they're like they have this. This is their core and that's will always be there to a varying degree. So, uh, yeah, end game. Um, I remember hearing like just bits of every song and literally laughing and like almost like crying tears of joy. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. I didn't, I didn't actually cry, but I was literally laughing um, just because I was so happy and like euphoric that like they got back on track and I was like loving what I was hearing so much. So uh, yeah. End game. Good album. I'm glad that you do like it. So I guess of the four, three ba- uh, albums that you've mentioned, which one would you recommend somebody right now? Uh, the average person, just anyone. Yeah, uh, I'd probably say probably the new Rise Against, just because I don't know. <laughs> Support your local bands, but I think sonically it's actually Support really good. <laughs> Are they even from here? I feel like I'm local because I want to be in Chicago, and that's where they're from. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I think uh, I don't know. I think it just. It has a very modern feel to it, and they're ta- lyrically they're talking a lot about a, a lot of things that are important. Like they have a song called "The Numbers," 
that first track, like it has that hook. Uh, they have the power, but we have the numbers basically saying like, you know, talking about protest and coming together against like oppressive forces, you know? So I think it's just very relevant with a lot of the topics and things they're talking about. And I think it's just like rock rock, you know, isn't the most popular genre right now. So I think a record like this is uh, very needed, you know? I think for me, I think it's hard to say because like the things that I listed were like very different from each other and they all have like some type of different significant meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to imagine one for like any person when like they're so personal, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit difficult, but I would say, I don't know what's all right. If you want a healthy balance, probably would be songs of the underground because it's like very different. Oh, they're going to pick one more light when you said healthy balance because one more light would be like as opposite from the new rise against as you can get oh i mean a healthy balance between of like my selections ah okay yeah because yeah. like one is like literally a foreign language in for the most part rap the other one is like sad moody music and then songs from the underground is very like all right here's an album here's some of the songs they've never released here you go yeah i could see that do you ever feel like it's too short though because it's only like what seven songs yeah it's only about like six or seven songs um it is a little bit short. I felt like I was a little bit gypped, but after like when it first came out, like I didn't know much about it. I was like, Oh, I feel kind of gypped, but Hey, I've never had this album take. And then years later, I learned what it was. I'm like, yeah, all right. This is yeah. fine. Yeah. If you don't know what an EP is, then yeah, it could seem like what the fuck, <laughs> like they have to ask it on this album. But I mean, an EP is always like, it's never like 10 songs, you know? Yeah. So that was mostly on me, but after I realized, Oh, it's like, it's supposed to be like that. Uh, all right, we get. I get it. Yeah, makes sense. All right, cool. So, ending note: listen to uh, "Nowhere Generation," "Rise Against," and uh, "Sounds from the Underground," Lincoln Park. I would say so. Yes. <laughs> all right, cool. We just recommended some good shit to the people. Um, yeah, I got. I don't know. That was everything I had to say. You have anything else, Joe? Uh, that's it for me. Other than that, uh, why don't we go ahead and close the show? All right, we'll be back eventually when California is reopened as of, what, Tuesday? Uh, Whenever the 15th is, because apparently... Oh, funny story. So, like, you know what you hear about... So, there's a Bitcoin conference in Miami. Mm-hmm. And so, before you say anything like, oh, it's Florida, they, they don't care about masks and vaccinations. Um, So, they had a conference, and people right now are speculating that... And it's not on the news yet, but you can see on Twitter where a lot of people have stated, hey, I attend this event. I got COVID. Um, so some people right now are speculating that might be a super spider event. And then like of the people that posted their tweets of like, Hey, I caught COVID at this event. I looked them up, see where they're from. It was definitely an international conference. There's a lot of people going in and out and I'm like, Oh, that makes things make me feel better. We're fucked. And we're opening California up next week. Yeah, we got the vaccine. It's fine. (laughs) That's the, even if you get it, the vaccine's supposed to alleviate the symptoms, so you won't at least note it. You you won't know that you have it most cases, I think. So I'm not worried. I think be positive. Uh, there's there's enough people over in my life where they weren't able to take the vaccine, so this will be fun. Weren't yeah. able to? Yeah. Well, it sounds like something I should ask you off here. <laughs> but anyways, cool. no, it's it's definitely like oh. Uh, I scared. Anyways, like we'll see if we, we survive. This happy ending, and now we brought up this like COVID, <laughs> COVID uh, fear mongering back into the fold. But that's the nice note we want to end on.
Anyways, thank you for listening to the underpaid and underqualified show with your host, Vincent John. Catch you guys later. Stay safe. Don't be worried if you took the vaccine. You're fine. Bye. <laughs>